Scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Wyatt Bloom, audio engineer, mask movie co-writer, critic, vehicle codename Phoenix, episode analysis vital. Brian Cave, author, toy designer, cartoon guru, vehicle codename Flashburn, animation knowledge required. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome fellow mask agents to MaskCast 82, where we'll be speaking about mask episode 62 titled disappearing act wherein we see classic automobiles are disappearing from a museum including one on loan from matt tracker venom is using a prototype shrinking ray and a magnet to pull off this trick and it's up to matt and his fellow agents to solve this crime i am one of your hosts wyatt bloom and with me is a new co-host with us for this episode brian cave of old school evil uh, we'll forgo our Get Your Mask On for this episode because I want to introduce Brian and have him tell you, the listener, about him and his, his ventures. Hi, my name is Brian. I'm the from Old School Evil. I am the author of the Old School Evil and Old School Evil, The Rejects. It's two books that I've written uh, inspired by cartoons. It's very, very um, 80s cartoon-centric. Um, the main villain in the cartoon, his name is uh, Max Malice. And if that sounds familiar, it's because he is completely inspired by Miles Mayhem. <laughs> um, and um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of uh, 80s cartoons. I'm a huge fan of Mask, too, because after Transformers, I would say Mask was probably my favorite of the 80s cartoons. I didn't have a huge collection of the toys, uh, but between me and my brother, we had uh, quite a number of the um, vehicles and figures and I would say my favorite piece of my collection was Outlaw. It was my uh, biggest mask vehicle that I had. And I loved having nice. a Miles Mayhem figure there too. But we had a lot of the motorcycles and the smaller vehicles as well. When uh, Wyatt offered a chance to come in here and talk about uh, mask, I couldn't pass it up. So thanks yeah. for having me here, Wyatt. You're welcome. It was a great invitation. Um, you all know, you've been listening, that we lost our original host and author here, uh, Jason Gross, back on October of 23. A lot of you guys came out of the woodworks more than I imagined, honestly, and it was humbling is the best way to put it. Uh, and you extended your hand out, uh, I'll call it virtually, since you're a little more closer to the other side of our country. And I said, you know, why not? You know, I'd like to keep MassCast going at least through the split seconds and then the um, racing series we're trying to get through. Of course, if we can find them on YouTube or wherever. But yeah, I'm grateful to have you alongside the ride. We're going to go right through this just like we would normally would, but I will read back some uh, listener comments were past due on that uh, since we've taken a break. MassCast 79, which was the comics volume two, issues one through three that Jason and I had done. Uh, one of the comments was from Scott Crawford. He says, great to hear you guys back on the air chatting about Mask. It's been far too long. He added, back in the day, I received the Mask annuals for Christmas. The first annual stole first two stories from the DC miniseries and the second one stole from the first two issues of the regular series. Many years later, I managed to buy the US DC comics, and it was very much a shock surprise when I found this out. There is very much a vast difference between the UK 
and U.S. comics. My preference is for the U.K. comics. However, the U.S. comics are very much part of the mass journey. I agree with much of what you've said, especially on the issues with colors and some of the artwork. P.S. I thought I was the other, I thought I was the mass comic guy. And that's because we typically don't do the comics. We've interjected that to be mass cast going and to have a little break from the episodes. And then a follow-up was an anonymous commenter. He said, where did you guys go? And I know I've said it here just a little bit ago, but it had been probably about two years since we had recorded a mass cast. We uh, were very sorrowful about that. We didn't want it to go that long. But real life got in our way, as I've said many times before, and I just couldn't sit down to put together and watch an episode, let alone put a mass cast off. That said, I'll move on to mass cast 80. I misnumbered it on the YouTube, I believe. I think it comes off, or at least I say it's mass cast 79. I, I forgot that we had been recorded 79. So officially it's mass cast 80, Jason's tribute. And I got two comments, one from you, Brian, said, wonderful tribute, Wyatt. We miss you, Jason. And then, yeah, we do. Uh, yes, we do. Um, then a second one from uh, Eugene LAU3927. Rest in peace, Jason Gross. You will be missed. And yes, he is still to this day, of course, growing up with him. You know, he was my buddy. I was always in contact with him. So it's hard. These past several, several weeks, still t- kind of tough. I still see things. I, I think to text him and I can't. I don't know how close you were, Brian, with him um, over on the Retro Network, but I know he had interactions with you at times yeah i kind of owe him my um my introduction into the whole retro community when i started out back in 2018 as a blogger when i first released my the old school evil book uh he i don't want to say took me under his wing but he offered me a couple chances to collaborate uh, doing some random episodes on the rediscover the 80s and and uh, then he brought me on into um the retro network and i i always appreciated how how awesome he was about it doing that stuff with me so i kind of thank him for getting me here yeah uh it was really him and i that started into podcasting um he started a little bit before me he got invited just like you he got invited into someone else's podcast and i i'll forget whose it was i think it was under the underscoop fire era when he initially started writing and there was a group of people that he got to know now he had a broadcasting background like we've said but he was still very novice on the podcast side and he just quickly took off with that. And obviously he's been doing it for uh, about 12 ish, give or take years. So it's been a, it's been a fun, fun journey. What do you think? Should we start our mass cast? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we fade up to the exterior of a large building with what looks like Thunderhawk parked outside. We then cut to the interior as two security guards are making their rounds and conversing about, about no one getting except three, cars vanished the day prior and they seem perplexed they pause and look at a new car recently donated by matt tracker they admire their preferred cars and then notice that the bugatti and two other cars are missing dumbfounded they hit the lights and maybe a silent alarm where more security guards rush in and then we cut over to the grand tracker manor and inside scott and t-bob are running down a hall and hiding behind a pillar, and then they sneak up to a door, and T-Bob says this will never work, and they will get in trouble if their dad finds out, and Scott shushes him and tells him, how am I going to eavesdrop if you're talking? (laughs) And T-Bob says, that's a dumb idea anyway, which 
I thought he would have a funnier joke there, but right. uh, inside the office, Matt Bruce and the museum curator, Mr. Ramston are talking about the vehicles that, that three more had disappeared. And that's six cars in the last two days. Uh, Matt thinks it might be an inside job, but Ramston tells him that he knows all the guards and there's no way they would do that. And Bruce sometimes he says that some, sometimes that which has vanished without a trace has not really vanished at all. So they, they decide they're going to go over to the museum to take a look. And then Scott and T-Bob run away from the door and talk about following them over to the automobile museum. T-Bob thinks, I think we ought to not go. You know your dad wouldn't want us to. And then Scott says, this will be the only way that Mask will let them uh, join them is if they crack a case and they head out after them. And then we cut back to the museum. So then... So Mr. Ramstein is showing Matt and Bruce where the cars were with Matt con confirming that the windows were locked. Mr. Ramston confirms with Matt deducing that it'd be difficult to get a car through the window, even quipping that it'd be a pain. Of course, Mr. Ramston states that the police have given up with Bruce adding that you don't need a policeman, but a magician suggesting it's a disappearing act. Outside, we see Scott telling T-Bob to push up higher as Scott's trying to reach the window. As he reaches the window, Matt observes a drainage grate and asks why it's there. Mr. Ramston states that it was a giant car garage and had the garage converted many years ago. Matt recommends that they look at the two entrances to look for anything unusual. Bruce volunteers to look at the back door. Mr. Ramston says he needs to leave to make a statement at the police station. Scott states it's their chance, then seems to lose his grip, asking T-Bob to get him a little higher. As T-Bob struggles, a cat walks around the corner and T-Bob stomps on the cat's tail. Of course, the cat jumps all over T-Bob, causing him to lose his balance, but it sends Scott sailing through the window. Then we see T-Bob saying, if you can't beat him, join him, and uses his extendo arms to get in. My comment here, I had a problem with this because he struggled to get T-Bob into the window, but had no issue pulling himself up with his extendo arms. So I'm a little baffled by that. I was wondering error. the same thing, actually. If I would imagine T-Bob's a lot heavier than Scott, than Scott is, but T-Bob had no trouble pulling, pulling himself up there. I did want to ask you, did you see T-Bob's face during the time when Scott was telling him to hold him up? I actually, the... I, I, didn't, I didn't catch it. It was. It's really funny because usually when Scott tells T. Bob something, T. Bob always has a joke back. But this time, when Scott tells him to push him up a little more, they pan down to T. Bob, and T. Bob just looks pissed. I mean, he <laughs> looks like he just wants to throw Scott. It was hilarious. Nice. It had me laughing. Nice. I had. I missed that. So right. then we go inside where we see the cat pounce off the hood of the car with T. Bob saying, "Help." So Scott tells T-Bob that one of the guards is coming through and tells him to duck, which, of course, T-Bob can't do because he said he's stuck on his head. He's upside down in the car. The guard walks by and sees that the cat is in there and says, oh, you're the one that made all the racket. And he ends up walking out. Scott and T-Bob are relieved, but just for a little bit, because behind them, one of the metal gratings that Matt was checking out earlier uh, comes unscrewed. One of the screws pops out, and then a person moves the grating out of the way and holds a gun up through the grating and uh, shoots at the vehicle that next to T-Bob and Scott. You see a bunch of energy jots go out, a circle of vehicle, just like the Gulliver mask that Calhoun uses. It envelops the car, 
shrinks the car. And then uh, Scott and T-Bob's vehicle is also shrunk with them inside. The cat looks inside the ve- the shrunken vehicle and roars like a lion, which uh, T-Bob <laughs> just says, nice mountain lion. And then the car is slowly moved backwards and they see that they're being pulled by a magnet in the guy's hand. They pick up the two vehicles and then they uh, go to the exterior of the museum. And Matt asked Bruce if he found anything. Bruce said he didn't. And then uh, there's a close-up of Matt and Bruce in Thunderhawk outside where Matt thinks that Bruce's line, perhaps we look but do not see, was Confucius, but Bruce admits that it was his Uncle Lee. <laughs> and then an alarm comes on. And then they run inside the the uh, museum to find. Right, that's where it looks like a large blimp hanger on the outside. Then we cut again to the inside of the hanger and we see Mayhem, Vanessa, and Rax with Rax moving his mouth, but there's no audio. Don't know what was omitted there, if that was an error in their animation. But I, I noticed that. that happened a couple times in this episode mm-hmm. with the guard and Miles as well. Exactly. But we zoom in and Rax is stating that they have the last three cars that he wanted. He has that it's too bad the Ray needed to be charged or they would have gotten all the cars. Mayhem prides himself on the ingenious plan with Vanessa quipping, somebody's got to be. Dagger complains about being the only one that has to wash the cars. Rax points the shrink ray at Dagger and suggests shrinking him so his body matches his brain. They really were jabbing at him throughout they, this whole they episode. Were, man. I felt bad for Dagger in this episode. I did too. They... They're the bullies, I'll tell you. Vanessa walks up and says that it'd be impossible as his body would cease to exist. Scott turns to T-Bob and says that they need to get away, obviously, before they're caught. Dagger asks what the fee will be. Miles retorts that it'll be higher than he can count, over $20. We see the duo make their break and halt at the edge of the desk. T-Bob turns to Scott and asks what it's called when they have a fear of heights. Scott replies it's getting caught. T-Bob says he's he's gotten over it and instructs let's go as he grabs Scott, converts to scooter mode, and jumps off the desk. T-Bob opens a parachute, and they land on the floor. Scott says they need to find a place to hide, with T-Bob liking his parachute, but Scott says it's dangerous. T-Bob scoots off with his legs still in front of him, which was an odd feature to see, kind of like a, I don't know, uh, uh, like a kid's training wheels or something. Oh, yeah, and then they, he just sucks up the parachute into the seat, too. It seemed really weird that he could uh, do that before. Right, and then we cut to the museum again. Uh, Matt and Bruce are walking around inside the museum, surrounded by cops that are looking all over the place. Matt mentions that he can't believe that three more cars disappeared in the blink of an eye, and Bruce says the secret of illusion is often nothing more than looking in the wrong place at the wrong time. Matt decides that he goes needs to check out that grating again and finds that one of the screws that was ejected earlier is still there. Matt notices that someone had come through here, through that grating, and Bruce says even if there's a screw loose somewhere, you can't just pick up three cars and carry them in your pocket. Matt thinks that's exactly what the magician did. He shrunk the cars. And then Bruce suggests going to see Professor Duncan to shed some light on the subject. After all, his research led to Calhoun's Gulliver mask. And I got to say, I was really impressed that we actually are looking at the creation of one of these masks. Because I don't think this has ever been in any of the episodes before. No, and it's always been assumed, at least Jason and I always assumed, that it was Alex and maybe Bruce that were the two main people behind like all the masks, gadgets, cars, masks themselves. That's who we believed kind of wrote 
or built these, but we never had any anything concrete that showed otherwise. So it's nice to see that there's this Professor Duncan that's yeah. also in in the at least in the mix developing something for for Mask. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Bruce asks where the the drain leads, and Matt says the sewer and venom. And outside, we see that Matt, Matt and uh, Bruce are both inside uh, Thunderhawk, and they activate the computer in the dash to do their call-up. Matt, the computer calls up Bruce, pre-selected since he's already there, but the computer calls up Calhoun Burns, a Gulliver mask function of reduction and enlargement imperative to current mission, and he's it. They don't get any more support there. The scene switches to a ranch where um, Calhoun is helping a woman onto a horse. And then he just runs away. The computer also calls for Buddy Hawks, a master of disguise and also maintenance specialist. So I guess I kind of messed that one up. Sorry. <laughs> but um, And a vehicle code name is Firecracker. Scene switches to Boulder Hill where he's washing Firecracker. And then he his watch goes off and he drops the hose, which starts flipping around all over the place. He climbs inside Firecracker and drives off. Matt says the personnel is approved. And then uh, we switch to back to the barn. Right, but there's a huge disconnect because wasn't Firecracker destroyed a while ago? And that's why we got Hurricane or Night Stalker, depending on who who you call it. So that's yes. baffled me. And I think at some point a few episodes ago, Jason finally deduced that they he thinks or someone maybe pointed out that these were never put in any type of order. So he believed that they were actually out of order and just episodes were strewn about. They weren't put in a chronological type order. I, I could totally see that because one thing I noticed in this episode is all of the characters besides Calhoun are very early on characters. It's right. um, just Dagger and Rax. No one knew except for Calhoun. I do have my theory about this as well that I'll get to at the end of the episode. Okay. But let's uh, keep going with the story. So now we're back at the blimp hangar where we see the little duo scurrying around with T-Bob wondering how they will get by them. Scott, of course, says that T-Bob will think of something. Dagger says he has a great idea with Vanessa saying he'd better keep it since it's a strange place. He asks why he can't wash the cars while they're still tiny. It'd be easier to wash. That's a logical conclusion, I would think. Rack says that he can't wash them while they're tiny since he's a klutz and would break all of them. Dagger throws down his rag and says that he's not klutzy, then slips on the rag and into the bucket, bowling over mayhem. As Miles bickers at Dagger, a wave of water from the bucket heads towards the mini duo where Scott can't help but make light of the situation. He says, talk about surfs up. Get ready to hang 10 as they run away. Well, as they run, the wall of water hits them with T-Bob stating that he prefers to hang on as they head towards a drainage grate green while while we get to the commercial break. And that leads us on to, like we say, our midpoint. We typically have a ranking, at least a, a... ballpark assessment about the halfway point so what are you thinking for our rating and it's a one to five rating meaning five is the epitome of mask episodes and one is you call that a mask episode it needs to be thrown out Uh, for this one i i'm so far i'm giving it a two i do like the fact that venom is using a shrink ray or for stealing things but i didn't like that they were just stealing cars. I mean, it just seemed like such a low effort crime when they could have been stealing landmarks. They could have been stealing like monuments and all sorts of other stuff. And 
and they're just going for cars. But I didn't think they'd be able to even make enough money off of uh, six cars or whatever, you know, maybe like a million dollars. It's not like cars were super expensive back in the 80s or anything like that. So um, I also didn't like the fact that Scott and T-Log were so- playing such a huge part in this episode but i do want to give credit to the fact that t-bob was really funny there there's also the thing where scott tells t-bob that uh, he'll come up with something and t-bob's like oh okay wait a minute and then i thought that was hilarious i'm i'm actually a big fan of t-bob i love him Uh, this episode besides that he's not that great but (laughs) listening to the stone trees episode today to uh, get ready for this recording i loved all the jokes that you and uh, jason were were praising there i thought t-bob was hilarious in that episode so i'm glad to see him holding up a little bit of that uh, humor in this episode as well right we liked I think off screen, off episode, we liked T-Bob, but the writers kind of went back and forth, at least in our assessment. It was more like some days they would just use him to for puns and puns and puns is not really comic relief, but just because they had to write him in for some reason. But then the other days, it was like the writers like, we got to do better with T-Bob and make him actually funny and useful and so forth. So I think T-Bob, if I had a T-Bob real life, I think it'd be kind of cool to have him, just not the dumb, lame jokes that he sometimes told. <laughs> well, I'm kind of at a four. I think it's a good episode thus far, a decent plot. The perplexity of the cars missing kind of dumbfounds mask for some time while we get a decent scheme from Venom to shrink the cars. It was a little annoying, but the duo are caught up in the plot as they get shrunk and stuck trying to rescue themselves. I mentioned earlier about Firecracker, so I did ding it only because I don't know if this is chronological or not because it seems out of place. So it just seemed like Firecracker was uh, resurrected, or at least we never got a like a Firecracker 2 like we did with Thunderhawk being reborn you know, many, many years ago with, uh, I think it was the Solaris episode. Mm-hmm. But there's no mask use or even true vehicle use but we get a little history with Professor Duncan, like we noted, with the development of the Gulliver mask. And although it was a tick, I will call it, because we get the all-foreknowing Matt saying, oh, they must have used a shrinking ray. But he kind of spares that when he says, well, let's go talk to Professor Duncan because he has that research. He saves it in that way. But at the same time, I'm like, this all-knowing Matt who knows what's going on, and at least that's what, what seems to be going on with Matt, at least in the last, I would say, five, maybe 10 episodes, where he just knows what it is. Yeah. If you know what it is, let's just end the episode right now and go attack Venom and be done. We're also looking at this, I'm nearing 50, so mm-hmm. we're looking at adult eyes, so we're, we're able yeah. to analyze better than a 10-year-old doing it. Yes, that's true. I find myself doing that with a lot of the cartoons I'm watching these days. And yeah, it's kind of sad that I'm not enjoying them, I guess, as much as I, I used to be. I'm more cynical and all that stuff, but... I'm getting there too. Uh, maybe we'll have a... Anyway, that gets us back from the commercial where we see the duo fall over with T-Bob using his arms to clutch the great bars as Scott hangs on. Scott begins to climb out, but then ducks back in as Vanessa walks by, asking why Macy's late. Rack suggests he's counting it before bringing it over. T-Bob turns to Scott, saying, what are they going to do? Scott replies that they need to contact his dad. 
T-Bob says it's dangerous because he'd be turned into a bottle cap while Scott's not afraid of those heels looking at Vanessa's boots. Scott says, let's go, with T-Bob pondering that he never thought that his life would be threatened by his sneaker. The duo dart over to the corner, but end up having to turn back to the table leg for a moment as Dagger walks into the picture. Dagger wishes that Macy would hurry up since he wants to spend some of his money. Vanessa asks on what? A new face? Dagger retorts, Rack says it's good since the cars haven't popped back to size yet. Scott then states the obvious that they'll grow back as T-Bob is happy since he didn't want to look for work as a salt shaker. Actually, he would probably fit right in. Scott is excited since they are solving the mystery and they just need to call Dad. Of course, T-Bob quips that that this will bring a new meeting to shortwave radio. (laughs) And this cuts us over to Professor Duncan's. Yeah, so we find Matt and Bruce talking to Professor Dunking outside of what I can only assume was a ranch-style home. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's wearing a lab coat outside his house. Duncan says he could never get Shrink Ray to work quite right. It always needed recharging too soon. So he asks Matt if they're thinking about restarting the project. Matt says that he's got a hunch one of his competitors has taken an interest in shrinking things. And this is when Duncan finds out that the door is open and goes inside and finds that his garage, I guess, where he was hiding the prototype Shrink Ray has been broken into and trashed the place. Matt says that it looks like quite a bit of mayhem, all right, and then notices that the prototype is gone. Buddy and Calhoun show up outside. Matt tells him it's about time he got there and that Venom has the prototype. Calhoun says, unfortunately, that doesn't tell us where they are. Thunderhawk's radio chimes in with Scott on the other end, and Matt asks where he is and says he can barely hear him. We switch back to the barn, and we can see that Scott and T-Bob are hiding inside a toolbox. And he Scott tells Matt that it, they've been shrunk and that Venom has their cars and a bunch of other ones inside this warehouse and tells Matt to get there quick. Matt tells him to hide in a safe spot and they're going to trace the computer location on T-Bob's homing device. That's always a nice thing to have. Yes. Bruce looks at a computer, uh, looks at the map and says he used to live in that area, which I thought was really cool because you don't see much about their personal lives outside of what they're doing when they're getting called in. And then inside the toolbox, uh, T-Bob asks what they're going to do now. Scott tells Tells them to stay safe, and T-Bob says the safest place I can think of is home before sitting down on top of a screw and hurting his butt, which <laughs> I guess T-Bob has to worry about that now. We switch to another room inside the air warehouse. Miles is at a table with the other Venom agents, and then Mr. Macy is there with the table with an open briefcase full of money. Macy starts stacking the money on the table and tells Mayhem, there's all your money. Now give me my cars. He has a trailer outside waiting to load them up. Outside of the warehouse, we see... The masked vehicle racing towards the duo with Rhino now added to the vehicle team. So where did this come from? I don't remember even seeing it on the call-up. Nope. But, so inside, though, the vehicles, we get the masks dropping down, but without the commands or along with the defense mode. Yep. And then we see that Raven is amphibious. I think I made mention about this on a couple episodes ago with Jason, that Raven should fly, but we saw it on the water. So it must be an amphibious, not just a a water type mode, like a triple changer from the Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. I always assumed Raven was supposed to be water, but the Raven name makes no sense for a water vehicle anyway. So Right. And I think that's that's why I was perplexed when we had that episode. I think it was the one where they gummed up a waterway. I can't remember the name of the episode right now, but 
they gummed up oh, the water. Was that the one in, in Venice when they, they made them all, made the water all like gelatin or whatever? Yes, yes, okay. yes. yes. And that's what I said, you know, Raven. It's named Raven. Like you said, yeah. it should be flying. It's a bird. So why is it on the water? Somehow it's amphibious. Anyway, so Matt instructs Bruce to knock on the door with Rhino, and he rams into the warehouse just after Dagger asks, What's that noise? We see Rhino enter followed by Thunderhawk and Firecracker. Vanessa shouts its mask as they scurry away. Rax makes it to Piranha as Vanessa grabs the shrink ray. She shrinks all three vehicles with the duo looking on from the toolbox they've been hiding in. T-Bob says it looks like pygmies in an elephant stampede. Vanessa says that the gun is out of power while Miles retorts that he'll love breaking in the, his new shoes. As Mayhem tries to stomp on Rhino, it drives away as Bruce says it's a great idea. He'll help him. He pulls behind Vanessa and shoots the stack lasers at Miles' shoes, making him hop in pain. Jack Hammer is now chasing the tiny Rhino with Raven flying overhead and Calhoun saying, pick on someone your own size. He launches a disc at Jackhammer, which knocks Jackhammer and pushes it, sending it towards the barrels in which Macy is hiding behind. Bruce thanks Calhoun, saying it was almost a crushing experience. Next, we see Piranha shooting at Raven with Calhoun saying he should take Rax down a notch or two, or perhaps an inch or two. Using Gulliver, and he used a command here, he shrinks Rax down. As Mayhem and Vanessa run away, we see the mini Thunderhawk and Firecracker following as Matt tells Buddy to stop the rats before they get off the sinking ship. Buddy says you had them off while he makes them dance. And then we cut over to Thunderhawk. Yeah, its engines open up and it starts flying. He starts flying around Miles and Vanessa's faces while they try to swat at him. Firecracker shoots Vanessa in the butt and Max in the shins and they start hopping around and yelping. Scott says, come on, Mask, get him. He and uh, T-Bob start growing inside the toolbox, but T-Bob thinks that the toolbox is shrinking. Miles climbs into Switchblade with the briefcase full of money. And Matt calls on Spectrum and shoots a beam of a laser beam into Miles' butt, causing him to throw <laughs> the briefcase out of the cockpit. Scott picks up the briefcase and runs away. And then Miles gets into Switchblade and says, he'll get them. Uh, Vanessa also gets into Manta. And I thought this animation here for Miles and Vanessa getting into their vehicles was really funny because they seem to take their time and make sure they're comfortable in the seats. Yeah, and that's I thought odd. it was weird animation, but then I was like, oh, they both got shot in the butt, so maybe it's hard to sit down for them. Probably. A tiny Thunderhawk flies up next to Calhoun, and Matt has to tell, tell Calhoun to use the Gulliver mask. Gulliver shrinks Switchblade and Manta. Then we see that Macy crawls away, and that's the last we see of Macy, so I guess he uh, gets away scot-free. Calhoun stands in front of the shrunken mask vehicles and returns all the mask vehicles to normal size. Miles says, follow me. There's only one way out of here. And then Switchblade takes off and flies past Shrink Ray, and it flies out a hole in the wall, and all the other Venom vehicles follow. Jackhammer, for some reason, is shrunk too, even though we don't see him getting shrunk. And then all of the Venom vehicles get away. And then we switch over to uh, Matt and the crew talking to Scott. He's telling him no more dangerous stunts with a sorrowful Scott. However, he's trying to say that he kind of helped. Stammering, Scott tries to interject that they can go on a real mission for real. Of course, Matt says maybe a little while with a angry T-Bob saying, forget it. He doesn't want to do anything little for a long, long time. And of course, they fade off with a laugh. 
And that brings us to our PSA. We fade up on the duo playing baseball with Scott telling T-Bob that he's not wearing his helmet. T-Bob states that it ruins his view of the pitch and it's too hot. And here's another human trope that he now expresses. Yeah. T-Bob insists, so Scott throws the ball and knocks over T-Bob. As Scott walks up and asks the rhetorical, are you okay? He states that he's supposed to use the bat, not his head. Then T-Bob states that from now on he'll use his head the right way and wear a helmet which is super small to do any any good anyway i mean really it's i don't know why it's there but it's yeah it's basically just sitting on top of his head and not covering anything right but it's that public service announcement they had to do so instead of using scott which would have been the smart choice yep Without the helmet, they used the robot, which didn't make sense, but kids didn't care. Yeah, it totally looks like Scott meant to hit T-Bob in the head just to prove his point, too, because he beamed him really good. So this brings us to the end of our episode and wanted to see where you landed on your overall rating of the episode. I brought it up to a three. I wrote down here that I brought it up to a three, but I'm actually kind of second guessing that. But I think I want to leave it as a two. It was really cool that we saw kind of the origin about the mask, but I really wish there was more talking about how this professor's research led to the creation of Calhoun's mask. Instead, there is like one little line and Calhoun doesn't even say anything about how his mask was created there or anything. I did like some of the humor in here. T-Bob's jokes and expressions were really good. The abuse that Dagger got there, as mean as it was, was really funny. And I like how badly Venom actually handled the shrunken mask vehicles. You think they would have been able to do more, like step on them or anything, and they were completely ineffectual against it. I had a couple other things about the mask vehicle use. I mean, the only mask use we got in this in this episode was Gulliver, except for one time when the Matt used his Spectrum, you know, laser. I didn't even think that was something Spectrum did most of the time. Besides that, I, all we saw was Gulliver. I was really disappointed by that. Um, yeah, I would wish we would have seen more use of Gulliver. I, I, again, this is what a twenty-ish, twenty-two minute cartoon they got to try to put everything in Mm -hmm. so we as adults don't get the glamorous you know i want to build up to the story i want to see this work out and play out and and all they're doing is selling the toy and making it look good on a 22 minute cartoon so it's hard to know (laughs) through adult eyes one of the things i noticed too um that could have they could have used the spectrum right here is um, once mask shows up at the warehouse all the stolen vehicles are totally gone we don't see even a sign of them anymore and it seemed kind of reckless for them to just bust open the front door guns blazing when those stolen vehicles could have been potentially like right there and they could have just ran them over right so it would have been cool if matt used spectrum to make sure that the door was safe like oh we got a clear path now knock on the door bruce you know we kind of missed that chance none of the vehicles besides none of the vent vehicles actually did anything either besides run away so it was just really disappointing about mask and vehicle use in this episode besides calhoun and and raven there's a couple of animation or animation errors that i saw in there about people using speaking without their mouths moving i thought it was very weird that Macy just totally escapes. If they had loaded up the trailer, Macy could have just gotten away with all the cars anyway. We don't even get that kind of closure, you know? What did you think of this episode? Did you change your mind with the second half? I did. I came down to a three. 
took me a while to really sink it in as I've watched it again. It's, I was hoping it'd be a little bit more positive than what Jason and I had reviewed previously. I mean, we were hovering at twos and threes, I think, for a while. And I was I was hopeful with the four, but the animation was good, but it wasn't great. The two animation errors that you talked about where there was no audio, even though I wiped it off, I'll call it in the first half, it kind of got back to me that you know, that's that's an error. That's not that shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Uh, they should have added the audio or erased or pulled those animation cells out. Mm-hmm. The shrink rate animation effects were decent as it made that capsule type array around the vehicle before it shrank. I guess you, it's hard to animate things like that. I mean, most things would be probably in our human eyes would probably be almost invisible. Yeah. So they got to animate what's going on but to me it was still even though it was a different encapsulation it was still very close to lifter so i was i was still a little i didn't ding it by any means it was just too close i guess in animation but again i'm going through adult eyes the duo were used a, a little bit more than they should have been i think but they weren't too annoying and they were part of the episode they were part of the discovery of the shrink ray and where these cars were held and finally radioing back to matt and and trying to get the vehicles and themselves obviously rescued yeah i was glad that they didn't actually really do anything in that second half of the episode <laughs> besides using the radio right venom finally gets kind of an upper hand at least for a while again they scared off too easily right at the end you'd think that they would stand their ground or do something more but just didn't when they got bigger they could have had the opportunity to, you know, swat or do something more with Mask, but they just didn't seem to. Again, Mask is the hero, so the heroes always win. And you, Mr. Old School Evil, you know, you would think that there'd be something else we could poke and prod at to get even at least, a you know, a draw yes. out of this episode. Yeah, that would be cool. I would love to have seen more episodes where the bad guys at least get a little bit of an upper hand at some point. I mean, right. some of some of my favorite other episodes are always of different cartoons or when the villains eke out a, a small win or something like that. But I think in the 80s, that was just too few and far between. Right. It was, well, Good Guy Always Wins. Even movie, movies now are, are kind of like that. Yeah. Like you said, we got to see Gulliver Mask, which was good. Another another mask to add to the to arsenal. My bigger markdowns were, and it still ekes me, I guess, to this day, is the mask watch beep is not the right one. I don't know why they lost that. It's like they either were trying something or they actually lost it. Excuse me, I don't know what happened there. The fact that Firecracker seemed to return seemed to be out of play. It may be a few episodes away, but to me, we had, we've lost Firecracker. He's out of the out of the running. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the bullying that, and picking on a Dagger, even in the 80s where it seemed a little more prevalent, it seemed they really pushed on Dagger. And I thought that was a little over the top. And then where did Rhino come from? We, we talked yeah. about that. Where did he come from? It wasn't in the call-up. Usually there are. So what happened there? So I was a little disappointed with that. I think that's what talked myself down to a three because I was I was doing pretty good. I thought we'd have a more positive outcome. And I'm usually the more positive guy, higher rating typically. But mm-hmm. uh, this one, I just couldn't legitimately give it a good four. So yeah, I, that's I, where I'm at. I totally understand that. So one of the things I was actually thinking about this since everyone in this episode besides Calhoun was from the very beginning. I actually, I think they wrote this episode to show up like very early on in the series. And then halfway through the episode, the writers were told, Hey, we have a mask, a mask member who has a shrinking ray mask. So they quickly added 
Calhoun and Raven in there so that they could showcase him, but they had to wait until after he was already introduced. So they, they didn't change anything else to update the episode. And then we end up getting this like really early on episode way later, just to fit in Calhoun being there. And they could have easily updated other stuff in it, but you know, to the story, you know, get Volcano or anybody else in there, uh, Stinger or Scorpion or whichever he goes by. But yeah, they, the writers didn't bother updating anything else, I think. Well, I think that does it for MassCast 82. Uh, again, I want to thank you for joining me, Brian, over here. And, thank uh, you for having me on. This yeah. has been great. Yeah, this is awesome. And we'll be covering our next episode, which is titled Episode 63, Gate of Darkness, which will be interesting. Again, thank you so much, all you listeners, for being a part of us. We apologize for being away for so long, more specifically the last three months. Uh, we wanted to, again, thank you for coming along. Thank you for all those that have sent condolences and so forth concerning the passing of Jason. Hey, you still missed to this day. We will continue to keep masking on as we, we've said sometimes. Again, thank you, Brian, once again, and thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on MassCast. Cast.